Yo, what's up, Door of Hope Church Northeast. My name is Virgil Brown. I am the lead pastor, church planter for newly established Redemption Church in North Portland. We are three weeks into opening our new church. And like you are well aware of, you know the challenges of opening a new church during COVID. So we're working through those, but still very grateful to be in the work and pressing forward. I was happy to get the invitation from your pastor, Cameron, inviting me to open God's word with you in your new series. Um, we're going to look at Acts chapter six today and think about how different groups of people in the church are able to relate to one another uh, when the Holy Spirit is active in their lives and leading their lives. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open uh, to Acts chapter Six, beginning at verse one, verse one through verse seven is a text we'll be walking through today. While you're turning there, I'll just give you uh, a little bit of history about myself. So I'm married, been married for 15 years. My wife's name is Kelsey. We have four kids. We live in Northeast Portland in the Beaumont Wilshire neighborhood. My oldest will be 13 this month. So I'm gonna have a teenager in my house. She's amazing, her name's Olive, love her so much. Uh, my next oldest is Lincoln, he's 11, he's wonderful, full of energy, oh boy. Then I have two younger girls, six and four. Coco is six, first grade, and Georgia is four, she is in preschool. All right, let's look at God's word, Acts chapter six, verse one. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And when they had said these things, it pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. The setting of the conflict is revealed in verse 1. The conflict is this. In these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Now, before we dive into the conflict of our text, I think it's wise to consider the context. The author of Acts opened the sixth chapter with this abbreviated introduction, saying, now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, then he goes on to tell the story of Acts chapter 6. 
And it leaves us to wonder, well, why were these disciples increasing in number? Well, if we look at the end of Acts chapter 5, we see why. That the Bible says in Acts chapter 5, verse 42, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as a Christ. So the growth that they experienced as a church was the fruit of the unceasing ministry of the word. So we see from the outset that our text is bookend by the preaching of the word and the advancement of the gospel. Now the occasion of our text is this complaint by the Hellenists that arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food and resources. The, the same word in the Greek that's used here to describe the complaint of the Hellenists is the equivalent of the word that was used to describe the murmuring that was present among the Israelites against Moses. The Israelites complained about their arid conditions. They, they complained about eating manna day after day. They, they complained about Moses' leadership. So, so the wording here in Acts chapter 6 is, is really intentional and it's really strong. Uh, the author of, of Acts, Luke, he wants to tell us that this complaint by the Hellenists was no small matter. It, it wasn't something that would just go away with time. No, this complaint was spreading through the whole church and it was of great concern to the apostles. Suddenly, the unity the one heart and one mind that had characterized this young church in Jerusalem, it was under attack. And, and notice also that this complaint of the Hellenist was against the Hebrews. The Hellenists accused the church of neglecting their widows in favor of serving the Hebrew widows. The issue uh, of the daily distribution reveals that there was already an us versus them divide in the church, and that this daily distribution was the catalyst that brought that ethnic tension to light. Again, the groups that were opposed to each other were Hellenists and Hebrews. If you're reading from an NIV Bible, then your Bible calls the Hellenists Grecian, and both of those terms are, are accurate. Both convey the cultural distinction between these two groups in this one church. Uh, the Hellenists were um, Greek-speaking Jews, but they were more than Greek-speaking Jews. As it is with every culture, language is much more than a medium of communication. Uh, your language, or even an accent within a certain language, it can identify you with a specific culture. The Hellenist Jews were born and raised outside of Jerusalem. So they grew up in Greek cities. They spoke the Greek language. They ate the Greek food, which is a very good thing to do. Uh, they had embraced overall a Greek culture. The, the Hebrews, on the other hand, they were like your tried and true old school Jewish people. Uh, many in the church were born and raised in the holy city of Jerusalem. They spoke Aramaic. They continued in the customs of their forefathers, and they maintained a very distinct Jewish heritage. It is understandable, then, that the Hellenists felt a bit like outsiders 
as minorities in Jerusalem in this new church. However, it seems as though any oversight of their widows in the daily distribution of food or money was not intentional, but purely like this accident on the part of the apostles. Most likely, um, they just weren't thinking. They were distracted by a host of other issues in their church. But we should not rule out bias in this situation. In the first century, widows were very needy, and without state welfare programs, they were totally dependent on the generosity of the community. The, the Bible singles out widows and orphans as being the primary objects of our charitable deeds. So, so the likelihood that these widows were purposefully neglected, I think, is improbable. Uh, the church in Jerusalem was dealing with ethnic tensions, and they were dealing with the administrative problems that comes with a quickly growing church. The, the challenges um, of this church, it, it provides us with uh, two helpful examples that can't be ignored. First, this was a multicultural church. They had different kinds of people in, in one body. Uh, second, this church was engaged in a mercy ministry. So, so they were working to bring different cultures together and they were working to serve uh, all different kinds of people. When I read Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, I'm really encouraged. I, I'm encouraged that this church had these problems in the first place. I wish every church had the problems that the early church had in Acts chapter 6. The, the problem of having to deal with ethnic tension within the church. The problem of having to administrate a large, robust mercy ministry. We, we should pray that, that our new churches would grow and, and have like problems to solve in the future. The multicultural nature of the New Testament church is something that we should try to emulate today. Uh, your church, Door of Hope Northeast, my church, Redemption Church, we are both in, a, in an area that has similar demographics. We are positioned to reach all different kinds of people. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, Paul strongly condemned all division in the church. And, and one of the ways that he condemned it was by asking a piercing question, is Christ divided? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 13. Jesus said that our unity... Not our uniformity, but our unity would be a sign to the world that he is the Christ that's come from God. He talks about that in John chapter 17. If the homogenous model of ministry, which is so popular today, if that was God's intention, then why would the Lord ever command that we have the same love one for another? That command assumes that we will be living in community with people not like ourselves. God intends for his church to be a representation of the community in which it resides. Now, if you live in Pendleton, Oregon, then the breadth of your diversity and representation will be cowboys who wear Wranglers and drive Ford pickups and cowboys who wear Levi's and drive Dodge pickups. But if your church is in an area with some diversity, 
then the church should be a reflection of that diversity. We have made great strides as a nation. Uh, our schools have been desegregated. Workplaces have become more diverse. Neighborhoods are more diverse. But the church still lags behind. In 1963, this quote has been attributed to Dr. King. It's, it's said that he said that the most segregated time in America is 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. We are decades past when that statement was made, and it is still true. The folks who should be leading change through a diverse unification that bears witness of Jesus Christ are often lagging behind. Usually the enemy of cultural diversity in the church is pragmatism. The, the idea is if we can just target a specific audience, then we can direct our resources toward a tailored ministry. And, or, or if everyone's alike, then there will be fewer challenges related to unity. Certainly, that would have been the case in Acts chapter 6, right? If the church was all Hebrew or all Hellenist, then there's no ethnic tension to speak of. But note that the solution to the problem in Acts 6 was not, well, let's just have two services. We'll have a traditional 8 o'clock Jewish service, and we'll have a contemporary Greek service at 11 o'clock. And during that time, we'll do the distribution for the widows. Now, by the power of the Spirit, this church experienced unity in diversity. Pragmatism and personal preferences were not a determining factor in how the church was going to be structured. They depended on the power of the Holy Spirit, and then they labored toward unity for the glory of God. Their example is one that we should imitate today. Ajith Fernando once said, he's one of my favorite writers, uh, he, he once said, many Christians say that they are committed to evangelism, but that they do not want to pay the price for bringing in an evangelistic harvest. In actuality, they want to be comfortable. We, we cannot let our desire for comfort rob us of our witness and divide the church. Now let's example. Uh, let's examine how the multicultural and merciful Church of Acts chapter six responded to this conflict between these two different groups of people w within their church. Look at verses two through four again. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, "It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables." Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The solution to the problem was as bold as the problem was serious. The apostles gathered the full number of disciples. Now, by this point in the life of the church, that was thousands of people. Thousands of Christians were living in and around Jerusalem at this time. 
the complaint by the Hellenist had affected the entire church, so the entire church was included in resolving the conflict. We see in this example of leadership in the apostles a willingness to be transparent and to be honest. You, you know, often when trouble arises in the church, um, the, the default for leadership can be, we got to keep it quiet. We don't want this to get out. Uh, if it does, it's going to cause problems. And the heart behind that usually is preserving unity. But rarely does that work. It often backfires and it, it undermines unity in the church. What we see happening here with these apostles is them trying to get in front of the issue and then laying it bare before the congregation. That has a way of really building uh, rapport with the church and building trust with the church. It's also an act of faith because we're saying when we do things like that, we're trusting that the Holy Spirit is at work in this body of believers and, and that people are mature enough to, to deal with conflict and to hear about problems and come together um, and work together for a, a godly solution. Notice also that the response that the apostles gave to this crisis was due in part to the prominence of their ministry in the church. They started out by saying, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. And they ended with, and we're going to devote ourselves to prayer to the ministry of the word. Uh, preaching was a primary task of the apostles. It was their primary occupation, as was the ministry of prayer. Uh, the statement by them, it's not right that we should give that up to serve tables, means that it would not be pleasing in God's eyes if they were to give up preaching the gospel. In this context, especially, this is true. This passage is dealing with the apostles and their unique role in the history of Christianity. They alone in all of Christian history were witnesses to the life, death, and ministry and resurrection of Jesus. They witnessed, uh, their their work rather was, was unique. It, it was unrepeatable and absolutely foundational uh, for the Christian movement. So for them to give up preaching the gospel to do anything else would have been wrong. That that remains true today. The, the gospel speeds ahead through the proclamation of the word. Uh, every church needs pastors who are prim primarily uh, occupied with prayer and with preaching. Uh, hopefully, at Door of Hope, you're able to free your pastors up in that way. But by them serving uh, in the ministry of the word and in prayer, uh, they can serve you really well and help strengthen and grow uh, the, the church. Preaching the word is the core ministry of the church, but it's not the only important ministry of the church. And the apostles' response, saying it wasn't right for them to give up preaching to weigh tables, they weren't making some snide remark about the lowly task of waiting tables. No, they were acknowledging that everyone has a role to serve. Their role was the preaching ministry, and for someone else, their, their role would be the benevolence ministry of serving, of serving widows. There are no little people in, in the church. Um, every member of the body of Christ matters. Now, in other organizations, there are little people. There, there are people who are considered insignificant, but in the church, uh, we're, we're, we're like the human anatomy, where every single body part is necessary to have a a healthy body function. 
your role, your gifts and, and within Door of Hope Northeast are essential to Door of Hope Northeast. Not everyone's going to have a spotlight ministry, a ministry of singing, a ministry of preaching, something that's upfront and always noticeable. Most people have a behind the scenes kind of in the dark ministry. And those ministries in the church are just as crucial to the health of the church. We can be certain that when the apostles presented their proposals to the church, they made those things clear. Now let's look at what happened next. Revisit verses 5 and 6 with me. There the Bible says, and what they said pleased the whole gathering. Well, the apostles said pleased the, the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. And they set them before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. What, what a great response from the church. What the apostles said pleased the whole church. Uh, just practical aside, really quick. This church was growing, and as it grew, needs arose. Their administration and their leadership structure, it had to change. And that change pleased the church. That tells us that this church was adaptable. It wasn't permanently set in its ways. Maybe there was some grief caused uh, because some people just have a hard time with change. But that was easily overcome by their shared desire to see the ministry move forward. Well, Door of Hope Northeast is going to grow. And as your church grows and more people come in, things are going to change. And that change should be something that's applauded, something that makes you happy because it's accommodating the growth of your church as you bring in more and more of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's pray that that happens. Also, we see that all seven names listed in verse 5 are Greek names. So all seven of these men who were chosen to serve as the first deacons of the church were from the minority Hellenist sect within the church. This certainly assured the church that that neglect of the Hellenist widows, if it did occur, that it would never occur again. The church was satisfied with that godly solution. Unity was preserved. The Hellenist widows were properly cared for. The apostles were freed up to do what they did best, which was preach the gospel. And the glorious outcome of that decision is seen in verse 7. The word of God was able to speed ahead and more people were added to the faith. There's some helpful observations that we can make about this story. The, the first thing I want to point out is that the church responded to the complaint of the Hellenists by empowering the folks who felt like less than a full member of the church. And that was a grand demonstration of oneness. They had seven spots to fill. They filled all seven with Hellenist leaders. Uh, but, but first, before they got to that step, they had to listen. The complaint arose, and the complaint was not dismissed with a all-widows-matter hashtag. It was taken seriously. 
and they responded in love. We should also note the radical steps that were taken. Uh, they, they were not due to like outside cultural pressure. Uh, too often, church people are slow to act or have to be dragged kicking and screaming toward racial reconciliation. Well, here we see a church that leaned into harmony, desiring to preserve unity and to build up the unity of the church. And don't you love the response of the congregation? Again, the Bible says, and what they said, what the apostles said, it pleased the whole gathering. So listening to and empowering the Hellenistic Jewish believers, it was a win for everyone. The, the Hebrews did not feel slighted by that. They considered the Hellenists to be their brothers and their sisters, and for them all together to be one family. Whatever benefits one member benefits the whole. Now here's the good news. The same spirit that was at work in the Christians in the church that we read about in Acts chapter 6, that same spirit is at work in you and I conforming us into the image of Jesus Christ. We have been raised from death to new life in Jesus through the gospel. And we also are able to live a life that is like the life that we see in Acts chapter 6, one in which people are willing and, and eagerly uh, willing to pursue reconciliation with their brothers and sisters and live together in community, in harmony. We know that that's pleasing to the Lord. Uh, my exhortation to you is to pursue that. Uh, pursue that not passively, but, but do it actively. Definitely pray. Pray that God would be doing that kind of work in and through your new church. Uh, also lead multicultural lives. You know, churches don't become diverse because they open their doors and say all are welcome. You can't just open your doors and say all are welcome and expect the nations to arrive at your doorstep. No, it takes members individually engaging in life with people not like themselves. It means diversifying your friend group. It means showing hospitality in your home to people outside of your normal circle. Uh, when believers start to do that work, we start to see churches take on a brand new identity. Uh, I, I want to encourage you to press into that. Uh, don't write it off as though, you know, it's too intimidating because it's something you've never done before. Uh, God calls us to do things all the time that we've never done before. We do it in faith, trusting that his spirit will supply all that we need to do his work. Uh, another thing that you can do is to be accommodating as the Hebrews were accommodating of the Hellenists so that when new groups of people do make a home in Christ among you at Door of Hope Northeast, you are extending to them the hospitality of Jesus Christ, that you are trying to make that, that church as much of a, a, a comfortable and welcoming environment for them as as it can be, as it is rather for you. Uh, so that's that's another important step that you can that you can take. Um, the, another thing that we see in this text is we see how 
people were advocates for those who said that they had been marginalized. Uh, that's another beautiful work of, of the Christian church. We should be advocates for those who are in a lower position than us. And so I encourage you to do that as well. Uh, all those things combined can really lead to a beautiful uh, transformation in your life individually and, and health in your life together corporately. Uh, thanks for um, listening. Thanks for uh, uh, having me uh, speak into your life, inviting me to do that. Uh, so grateful to participate again in this series. Uh, we are praying for you. Redemption Church is praying for you. I'll be praying for your work in the city as well. God bless you.